Today we're going to continue with the Trinity and we're going to look at Jesus, um, sometimes called the second person of the Trinity. I, I hate to kind of use that term because when you think about it, it kind of makes God first, Jesus second, and Holy Spirit third or something. And, and you don't want to get that, you don't want to get that kind of thinking in our, in our head because they're all one. So it's not one, two, three. One's, one's more important than the next one, the next one. But they're all one. And Jesus, in the scriptures, he's called the Son of God. And then several times in the scriptures, he's also called the Son of Man. Son of God, Son of Man. And one of the creeds says, Son of God, Son of Man, very God, a very God. Begotten, not made. So he's Son of God, came to this earth, Son of Man. Born of a man, born of the Virgin Mary. So he was Son of God and Son of Man. And you can't separate that. He didn't, he didn't give up being the Son of God just to become the Son of Man. He was still the Son of God. He said, I and the Father are one when he was here on this earth. What he gave up was his willingness to come down here and give up his life for us. But he was, he was God. And in John 10.30, in John 10.30, Jesus told the disciples and those around him, he says, I and my Father were one. I and my Father, we are one. We're one. And if you're one, you can't be separated. You know, and, it, and again, I believe that, you know, we get to a point in this that we have to just accept by faith what the Bible says. Like a lot of things. But, you know, if God and Jesus are one, then we have to accept that they are one. Even though it's God the Father and God the Son. They're still one. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. As a matter of fact, we know that uh, in, at creation, at creation when uh, God was creating, he said, let us, let us make man. So we know that, that Jesus was present at creation, the Son of God. They were all present at creation. And in Colossians 1, verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So it says that Jesus, who came and gave himself as redemption through his blood for our forgiveness, it says, through him and by him was creation. And, you know, we always, you know, in our heads, we kind of go, well, God the Father, he was creating, and he's the creator. But it says here that Jesus was there because they're one. See, it's that, that whole thing. You can't just start dissecting them and separating them, you know. They're one. And so, so Jesus was present there at creation, and he was, he was creating with God the Father because they're one. Um, and then we know that then in Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse, it says, let us make man in our image, in our image. So as God, the Father, God, the Son, we're creating, then they said, let us make man in our image. And so we are made in the image of God. And so we find that, you know, when Jesus was here on this earth, that he was, he was saying a lot of times, you know, I and the Father are one. He said, uh, that, you know, in John, the fifth chapter, in John, the fifth chapter, the 19th verse, he said, um, 
He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. And whatever he does, the Son does in a like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So it says that whatever Jesus did, he did because he saw the Father do it. So he says, I do what I see the Father do. I do what I see the Father do. So the Father was doing the things that Jesus came to earth to do. Okay? So one of the big questions for me is then, then what did Jesus do? What did he do? If Jesus did what they saw the Father do, then if I look at what Jesus did on this earth, then I can know what the Father does. Because Jesus says, I do what I see the Father do. So when Jesus went on this earth, he did certain things. Spent three years doing things. And so I think it's important for us to say, what did he do? What did he do? It gives us a picture, I believe, of who God is. It gives us a picture of what God does and what he wants to do. So we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus did. We're going to look at some of the things that Jesus did. And again, remember last week I said, you know, a lot of times people want to make Jesus in their image. Well, I think this is what God is, or I think it doesn't matter what you and I think. You can think whatever you want. I mean, you can think that. It's okay. But it's not going to change who Jesus is because of his word, and he tells us who he is. And so a lot of times in our society, one of the big things I find is if you get in discussions with people, and if they're saying, well, I think, you're kind of stuck. Because it's hard to have a discussion with somebody if they're thinking Jesus is whoever they want him to be and they make him up to be something. And you're going to say, well, yeah, but I think he is who, what the word of God says. Those two are never going to come together. Because people tend to make him in how they think he would be to make him convenient. To make him comfortable. To make him do what I think he ought to do. And, and that's not who he is. He says, I am who I am. And so it's very important that we look at Scripture and we say, okay, this is what Jesus said. This is what he did. This is who he is. Not based upon some thought I have. Because I think that's rampant in our society right now that we're tending to make God in our image. I think it's just all over the place. You know, people, people think, well, I can be a Christian and then I'll make God in my image so that he's like I want him to be. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the first thing is, Jesus came to seek the lost. To seek the lost. In Luke, Luke the 19th chapter, the 10th verse. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, if you're going to seek and save people, if they don't think they're lost, it's hard to seek them and save them. I, had a, I was discussing this with, with a young couple last night, and I said, you know, if you don't believe that you're in a condition that is a sinful nature separated from God, then you'll never, you'll never be saved. Because what are you going to get saved from? Why do, you need, why do you need a Savior if you don't think you're lost? 
You know, so, so if I can convince myself that I'm okay, then I really don't need a Savior. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. People who are lost. People who know they're lost. You know, people, people who understand their condition. Their condition. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short. We're all in the same condition. You know, it's not, it's not like, well, I have to admit something to nobody else. I'm the only person in the world that's lost. No, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short. We're all lost apart from Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we're lost. And so we have to understand it because he came to seek and save that which was lost. That was one of the big things to the scribes and the Pharisees. They didn't think they were lost. You know, and he had a hard time with them because they thought they were good enough because they had done enough good things. They were, they were chosen. They were okay. I don't need a savior. I'm okay. But Jesus came for those that were lost and those that knew they were lost. And in Matthew, Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 14th verse, we need to remember that, you know, it is God's desire that nobody perishes. Matthew 18, 14 says, even so it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So it's God's will that none should perish. That's his will. That is his desire is that none perish. Now, do some perish? Yes, but that's not his desire. His desire is that none perish. And so he sent his only son to seek the lost, to seek the lost. And how does that work? Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has to work in our hearts and draw us. You know, I think, I think a lot of times, first thing the Holy Spirit does, he shows us our condition. He shows us our need. He shows us where we're at. You know, there's conviction. He brings conviction to us and says, wow, you know, you're not where you should be. And then I believe sometimes he sends the Holy Spirit through people. Sends people across our path to share with us. That's believe where we play into this sometimes. That we need to be sure that we are open to opportunities to share with people. Because the Holy Spirit then works through people. And he also works through his word. That's how he seeks people, through through his word, through others, that he wants to seek those that are lost. Go after them. The Bible says, you know, what one of you, if you had a 99 sheep and one lost, wouldn't go after the one that's lost? You know, leave the 99. Go after, seek the one that's lost. The importance of the lost. The importance of the lost. Seek them. One of the things I think in the church sometimes is the church, we get ourselves so comfortable with the fact that we're okay and we kind of feel like we get together and we live in this community that's like, well, we're all okay and it's kind of comfortable and it's kind of nice and we're all doing okay. That if we're not careful, we forget that, you know, God's desire is to seek the lost. You know, his desire is to seek the lost. And as much as our focus is on fellowship, and encouragement, and learning, and growing, I believe also we have to keep in mind that God's desire is to seek the lost. That we don't get so focused. Sometimes the church gets so focused on keeping it together and keeping the, keeping the organization going and taking care of each other's needs that we forget that it's about seeking the lost. That's, that's, God wants to seek the lost. He sent Jesus to seek the lost. And then he sent Jesus to save them. You know, it's one thing to seek them, 
But, you know, he came and he gave his life so that they could be saved. You, know, you can find him, but then what does he do once he finds him? He seeks him and then he saves him. In Matthew, Matthew 18, 11, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Okay, he finds us, he seeks us out, and then he says, I want to save you. And he did that, already done, on the cross, shedding his blood. It's done, but we have to accept what's already done. Now, it's like any gift, any gift given is not yours until you receive it. You know, people can give you gifts, but until you take it and receive it, it's not yours. And so he came to not just seek the lost, but he came to save the lost. He gave his life, gave his life, gave his blood so that we might be saved, that we might be saved. We might be saved from our condition. I believe personally that it's a lot easier for people to receive the gospel who know they have a need than people who don't know they have a need. I believe in general, as you find people you want to share with, you know, that the easiest people and most people ready to hear the gospel are people who know they have a need. If you find a person who says, I'm okay, I'm doing good, life's great, I don't have a need, everything's okay, you can share the gospel with them, but they're gonna, it's, not, it's, not, it's not going to be received. If you look at Jesus, you look at Jesus, a lot of the people, who did Jesus go to? And he went to ordinary people, and a lot of them knew they had a need. You know, he went to people who were caught in adultery. You know, people who had needs, people who were physically had needs. They knew they had a need for a Savior. And so he comes to seek and to save the lost. And then Jesus, he came to serve. In Mark, Mark the 10th chapter, the 45th verse. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, came to serve. He served where he went. He served. He served, and he served to the point of giving his life. Now, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice is giving your life. I believe sometimes when we serve, we give our life in other ways. We may not die, but I think we die to self to serve. There's times when we serve when we just don't feel like it. You know, when we just don't really want to, that we say, you know what? We need to serve. We need to serve. Or I think sometimes we pick and choose who we want to serve. You know, sometimes I'll serve people who are nice to me. I'll serve people who say thank you. I'll serve people who will serve me back. You know, I'll do it if they'll do something back for me. But Jesus set the example in that he served sacrificially, gave his life that nobody could give anything back for. The ultimate price. And he sets that as an example for us, as an example to us, that as he served, so now we serve. But he came as a servant. He gave up his position. He gave up his position. When you think about it, he gave up his position in heaven to come down here. Well, you got to think about that a little bit. I mean, just, I don't know, just kind of mull that around in your mind. He gave up being in heaven to come down here. Now, our goal is to give up down here and to get to heaven. 
you know. And he gave up heaven to come down here with us. And he was mistreated. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was accused, wrongly accused, all kinds of things. He gave that up. He came to serve. He came to serve. He came to serve. So, so when I go, well, I don't feel like it. I wonder how that rings in his ears. I don't feel like it. Well, it's not convenient. Well, I don't know. I got other things I'd rather, you know, I don't know how that works. You know, I don't know of any excuse I could come up with to say I'm not willing to serve. And then I believe that Jesus came for a purpose that a lot of times we don't talk about. I think probably it's to our disadvantage that we don't talk about this, but he came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. They are at odds with one another. They are oil and water. They are at odds with one another. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible says the devil comes to kill steal and destroy jesus says i've come you may have life and have it more abundantly he came to destroy the works of the devil number one first you have to believe there's a devil that's kind of a big issue you know um i say it's a big issue because a lot of people think well you know well no there's bad stuff but i wouldn't go so far as to say there's a devil you know um, I think people don't believe there's a devil a lot of times because I see God getting blamed all the time for stuff the devil's doing. I see it all the time. I see people getting destroyed, things getting taken away from Satan, killing people. I see Satan destroying, killing, stealing all the time and people go, well, why does God do that? It's not him. We have, we have a real enemy. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He wants to destroy those. He wants to deliver us. He wants to set us free from those works. In, in Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark, the 11th chapter, the 32nd verse. Mark, the first chapter, the 32nd verse. <laughs> I knew that. I, I, I read the colon as another one. Okay. Mark, the first chapter, the 32nd verse. It says, At evening when sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many of the sick from various diseases, and he cast out demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to deliver people who are demon-possessed. In our thinking, sometimes people say, well, that was back then. That's when people had those kind of problems. Think about it, folks. Think about it. Just look around you. Tell me there's not evil everywhere. Tell me Satan's not at work. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into a whole big deal about trying to define if somebody's demon-possessed or not demon-possessed. But I can tell you this. When Satan's at work, it doesn't matter 
He needs to be gone. People need to be delivered from it. And that's, that's, that's a fact of life. And I think, I think we've kind of just shuffled that under the rug and say, well, we just don't want to deal with that. We just don't want to deal with that. In our society, in our society, what do we do with people sometimes like that? We put them somewhere or give them a pill or do something that calms them down, get them settled down or whatever it might be. We got, we got ways we think that we can handle that. I just say that Jesus came to set us free from that. Okay? And I think it's something we probably just go, well, we just don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about. But I believe if you don't talk about it, then it kind of gives way to Satan and all of his activity that we won't take a stand and, and sometimes deal with all the things. And know that Jesus came to set us free, to destroy the works of the devil. He came and he walked and he del- people were delivered, delivered from those things. And why would we think that those things are gone now? You know, why would we think that that's, that's something that, that doesn't happen anymore? In uh, Acts, the 10th chapter, Acts, the 10th chapter, the 30th verse. Is that, is that one you got, Julie? Acts 10, 30? I don't know. My... Uh, It's not the right one. What? 10.38? Oh, very good, Sherry. See, I I like these people that know where I'm going. (laughs) Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God, he came to set us free from that. He came to set us free from that. So I think it's important for us to know that so that we realize that Jesus came to do those things and I believe that now he wants us to do it likewise. He wants us to do it likewise. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.8, in Hebrews 13.8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday in the Bible, back then. He's the same today as he was back then. And he's the same tomorrow as he was back then and today. So anything that Jesus did back then, he wants to do now. The problem he has is his instrument to do it is the church. That's his problem. It's us. It's us. It's us. But we need to first know that he did it and he showed us what the Father does. And he came to earth and he did all these things and he didn't change. He's still the same. He's here now and he still wants to do the same things now. For our benefit. For our benefit. For our good. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to save the lost. He wants to deliver us from the works of the devil. That's his desire as it was back then, as it is now. And so he doesn't leave us helpless and hopeless and, oh, I don't know, it's just terrible. 
No, he says, look, I've, I've done it for you. I've done it. It's yours. It's yours. And then we know that Jesus, the Son of God, is going to return someday. Someday he's going to return to this earth. In Matthew, the 24th chapter. Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 30th verse. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels and with a great sound of a trumpet they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of, from one end of heaven to another. He's going to return. He came. He died. He rose again. He seated at the right hand of the Father and he's coming back. He's come back. He's the Son of God. That's it. it says the Son of God, Son of Man. And he's going to return. And when he returns, he's going to return in all the power and majesty and authority that he has. And it's all over them. Then it's done. You know, then it's done. Everything will be restored the way it's supposed to be. For eternity. For eternity. You know, folks, sometimes there's a saying that says we're of we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I don't know, that's not really not scripture, but it's uh, something that people say. I think you can be so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good. You know, I think, I think we got to keep our focus sometimes. And probably all the time. That we need to realize that this is not our home. This is not our home. We're, the Bible says we're strangers and sojourners. We're just traveling through. But our home is in eternity. Our home is in heaven. And that's the goal. The goal is not here. You know, sometimes I think we think the goal is here. One of the things that I believe is the better your life, the more you like here. The harder your life, the more you like eternity. That's, a, that's just an opinion of mine. You know, Another opinion of mine is Negro spirituals talk a lot about heaven. You know why Negro spirituals talk a lot about heaven? Because they wrote them during slavery. Heaven looked like a good place. You know, if you're if you're in slavery, if you're if your life is bad, heaven is good. One of our problems is life is so good. Life is so good. We think, well, this is heaven here. Until you maybe sometimes you really get to looking around and go, well. Maybe not, you know? And sometimes the Bible says as you get older, you know what happens? Things of this earth grow strangely dim. Strangely dim, you know? It's, it's interesting how as you get older, it's like, okay, this doesn't look near as good as it used to. You know, it's just, it just happens. It's just, it's just, I think maybe it's partially just the way it's supposed to be, but, but I think all of us need to remember that, you know, Jesus is coming back someday. And life is not about here, but life is about eternity. And that's why our decisions need to be made accordingly. And that first and foremost decision is accepting our salvation and what he's done for us. That's the first and foremost decision. And then trusting him, trusting him as we walk through this life, as we walk through this life. Jesus came and he showed us. He showed us the Father. If you want to know what God's like, just read your scriptures and study what Jesus did. Because he said, 
I, I do the things I see my father do. We're going to have the worship team come, and we're going to close with a song. Um, we believe. It's a song, again, reminds us, about, reminds us about the Trinity. You know, the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, a concept that maybe, maybe ultimately is, is, there's a little bit of struggle ultimately believing it, but we need to remember that they're one, three, and one. Okay? Let's all stand. We can believe in you and trust you. We can accept what you've done for us, Lord. We can accept your salvation. The fact that you shed your blood, you died on the cross for our sins. And Lord, we just pray you'd help us to walk out our life as we believe. Lord, help us not just to believe in our heads and our heart, but Lord, help us to put it into action. Lord, help us to live lives that believe in what you said and believe your word is true. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for being with us. Lord, we just ask you to dismiss us now with your blessing. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.